This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon. Have you or a loved one had to wait a long time for surgery or for a specialist appointment or for a diagnostic test like a CT scan? Well, I want to hear from you if that's the case as we discuss a brand new report on the cost of long wait times for medical procedures. The numbers 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And I want to hear your stories about long wait times. According to the Fraser Institute, the cost of all these long wait times is $1.17 billion in lost work time, lost productivity, lost time with family and friends. And now on the line in Vancouver, I have the study's co-author, Bacchus Barua, senior economist in the Fraser Institute's Centre for Health Policy. Welcome, Bacchus. Good afternoon, Libby. How are you doing today? Excellent. So um, this figure, uh, is were you surprised by it? Well, you know, the Fraser Institute's actually been measuring wait times for about two decades now, um, and we've also been trying to estimate the cost of uh, and consequences of wait times. I think it's no secret that Canadians face some of the longest wait times for healthcare in the developed world. The problem is that we often forget that while some of us can wait for treatment, there are many others who may be suffering. Uh, many people may be in physical pain. Many people may be stressed out. Uh, some people may actually have their situation deteriorate uh, while they're waiting for treatment. Um, but one of the things that might also happen is that some people may not be able to work. They might be losing income. They might be losing productive time. And that's really what we've tried to do in this study, really take an estimate of a very small portion of the personal cost of waiting in terms of lost time and productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and we estimate that to be about $1,300 per patient or about $1.2 billion for the economy. Yeah, okay. So how does this compare to, uh, are, are we getting better? Is it costing less than it has in the past or is it getting worse? Well, unfortunately, it seems like we've seen basically no real big improvement over the, at least the last five years. Um, some people take that result and think, you know, well, at least it hasn't got worse. But I often say that if that's the best that you can say, then that's a really bad situation that you're in. Um, we've seen wait time stabilize at about 18.2 weeks between GP referral to treatment um, over the last uh, three or four years. And that's actually about twice as long as it was in 1993. So although this year's estimate is, is pretty similar to last year's, it's, it's a really bad place for us to have stabilized that. Well, um, there is some good news in this because, for instance, in Ontario, where they, they've been measuring wait times in a serious way uh, for about 10 years. So the wait times are about the same, but there are more procedures being done because the population is aging. And uh, what the Ontario government says is it's really good news because if there are, it depends, it varies with procedures, but, but say if they're doing 20% or so more procedures and the wait time is the same, that's actually a good sign. Would you agree with that? 
Um, you know, I think the only people who can really judge that are the patients who are on the list waiting for treatment. Um, in Ontario, we measure the wait time just between specialist between seeing a specialist to treatment as 7.4 weeks. Um, it actually goes up considerably if you look at the full wait time between GP referral to treatment. It's about 14 or 15 weeks. Um, Ontario does do better than most of the other provinces in the most of the other provinces in Canada, uh, but in general, in pretty much every single province, uh, the physicians who report to our survey are telling us that their patients are waiting longer than what they consider to be medically reasonable. Mm. So from what I've seen, the physicians don't really think that these wait times are acceptable. Um, my guess is that a lot of patients don't think that these wait times are acceptable either. Mm-hmm. It it really varies uh, even inside the province from place to place. So, you know, generally speaking, I think that if you're uh, in downtown Toronto where there is a lot of service, that's great. But sometimes you get out into other places and it's really difficult. Uh, what What do you make of that? Um, so, you know, that's absolutely true. It's, it's, it's not something that we've actually measured in our particular survey. We only measure uh, the wait time in the entire province of Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure that that actually is, is probably the case. Uh, but one of the interesting things that we find even within the province is that there's actually a large amount of variation even between specialties. Um, sometimes it's warranted. So, for example, you have much lower uh, wait times for things like uh, radiation and medical oncology, but even there, it's it's about four weeks from GP to treatment. Uh, but you have much much longer wait times for things like um, orthopedic surgery, which can go up to about 30 weeks from GP to treatment, and even neurosurgery, which can be about 35 weeks from uh, from a general practitioner to treatment. So. We do see a lot of variation, but, you know, the overall story is across the board. Patients are generally waiting far too long for treatment, and it does have a real personal cost on their lives. Okay, well, uh, why don't we take a call and we'll hear about some of the personal cost. Sure. We have uh, Charlie from Burlington. I'm on now. Pardon? Hello. Hello, yes. Yeah, I have a bladder stone, which I found out, and I urinate blood every day. Oh, my goodness. I've had this since December the 1st. My treatment is June the 22nd to have it removed. Wow. And uh, what does it uh, prevent you from doing? I mean, I'm sure that's very difficult for you. How are you uh, coping with it? Not very well. It's very worrying. I mean, what what's the complications from this? It, it's The bladder stone is causing an infection. Now, they give me antibiotics on my sixth dose of antibiotics, and now I'll be getting on another one, I guess. So where does this end? Well, it, did they explain why you had to wait so long? Well, that's just the time. That's just it. Uh huh. Where are you having the surgery done? Joseph Brand Hospital in Burlington. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bacchus, do you have anything to say about that? Well, yeah, first, you know, I I really want to thank you for for sharing that with us because it really, you know, it's important to remember that these are real people and these are real stories. Um, One of the things that happens when when we're doing these studies is that we get lost in the numbers. Um, But it's it's very important for us to actually hear from people that this is actually the case. Um, I think this is, you know, this is quite interesting because it also tells us a little bit about some of the other costs that patients bear because, for example, um, having to be on medication, um, just being in general physical pain um, is something that is actually not captured in our study. Um, We don't even capture the eight and a half week wait to see a specialist. Um, We don't capture things like the cost of uh, caregivers or friends or family who might have to take time off work in order to help you out. Uh, We're really only looking at the work week. In fact, if we expand 
our definition and include, you know, hours of the evenings and the weekends, uh, the estimate goes up to about $4,000 per patient or $3.5 billion for the economy. But regardless of the number, it's important for us to remember that these are real people and they these wait times have a significant impact on them. And so, it is really unreasonable to expect people to wait for so long and not offer them any recourse. Well, exactly. Charlie, can you give us a sense? Um, have you had to have people help you out with things? Have you missed work? Uh, how well, I'm retired, so I haven't missed any work, but it's very debilitating, you know, because every time you have to go, I go to the bathroom, and, you know, every time you look at it, you're scared. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's blood. What do you do? I mean, is anybody I can call? Anybody you can go to? Or you, that's the system. You just have to wait. Um, did did you? So this was a. Did you see a specialist who booked the surgery, or was yeah, it your? Yeah, the urologist. Yeah. And and he couldn't speed it up. Uh, did you ask him to put on a, put you on a wait list in case somebody canceled? Be on a wait list, but the wait list is a mile long. I, you know, it's. I'm getting nowhere with it. I've taught the family doctors, tried everybody, and I'm just getting nowhere. Now, if I get severe pain, then they might do something, but do you have to wait till it gets that bad? You know, oh. you know this, this actually really speaks to a really important thing. On the one hand, we've actually grown accustomed to the fact that it's normal for us to experience long wait times for treatment which is a very, very strange and, and odd situation uh, for us to be in. And then the other is that often we have to wait for a situation to get quite bad until we actually get treatment. That is not the optimum solution. You should be having treatment before a situation gets very bad. Um, but it really also speaks to another issue, and that's that it doesn't have to be this way. You, you know, long wait times are not a necessary price for universal health care. If we look at other countries, uh, around the world with universal healthcare systems. They spend about the same as we do, but they don't have the long wait times. We should look at what they're doing differently. Mm-hmm. So uh, what can we do? What can well, I do? Anything? You know, it's, it's very interesting. Um, uh, I'm involved in a committee and for reorganizing a certain uh, aspect of treatment that had to do with pancreatic cancer, and uh, it is amazing what can be accomplished that doesn't really cost a lot of money simply by reorganizing the way that treatment is given. Bacchus, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, well, so, you know, I can't speak to, to precisely uh, precisely what you're involved in. Um, we've seen a number of different ways that, that people have tried to tackle um, wait times in the country. Um, I think Saskatchewan is, is perhaps one of the few provinces that's that's implemented policy over the last couple of years that actually has remarkably improved their wait times. Um, they did it through a combination of contracting uh, procedures out to third-party private clinics who actually offered the procedures at a lower cost than the public system could. Um, and, and what was that, like diagnostic scans and things like that? Um, I don't know if it was diagnostic specifically, but it was, it was um, I think, things like knee arthroscopy and things like that, you know, small, very specialized um, day-to-day surgeries. Um, well, I know you it, can get... Um if you've got a, a, a hernia, you yeah. can get that done at the Shaldai's clinic, isn't it? Yep. So yeah, that's right. You know, and, and, in, and in other provinces where such clinics are, are not available, um, you, have, you have to have patients face the unfortunate choice of actually having to leave Canada in order to receive the treatment that they need. Um, but like I said, Saskatchewan's managed to do it within the actual public system. They also started a pooled referral system so that everybody 
who is referred from their general practitioner goes into a central pool and is offered the choice of being matched up with the with the specialist with the shortest uh, wait time, which I think is uh, probably helps efficiency a lot. That is so much the key. You know, um, we're going to have to take a break in a minute, but I want to pick that up after the break. And uh, when you talk about wait times for surgery, sometimes the problem is the surgeons because they want to keep their own waiting lists. Uh, but um, Charlie, we really, really appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so much for doing that and all the best of luck to you. Thank you. I just got one more thing. Sure. I asked if I can go to another doctor and they said it'll take just as long. Well, that's very possible. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing your story. Um, appreciate it. Uh, Bacchus, if you could hang on the line with us so we can uh, further explore this. And before we take the break, people, the number is 416-360-0740 or 1-866-744-740. And we want to hear your stories about experiencing long wait times for surgery or other medical procedures. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I am on the line with Bacchus Barua, senior economist with the Fraser Institute in Vancouver. We're talking about a new study on wait times for surgery and other medical procedures and how it costs the economy nearly $1.2 billion a year. We're also listening to your stories about what happens when you have to wait a long time for a procedure. The numbers, 416-360-0740 or one. 866-744-740. And Bacchus, you were saying that we have to remember that behind these numbers are people. So we are going to go first to Patrick in Toronto. Hi, Patrick. Good morning. How are you? It's good afternoon. Oh, nuts. It's morning somewhere. Okay. <laughs> it's morning in Vancouver where Bacchus it's is. It's morning in Vancouver, so I'll take that. And good morning to you as well, then. Good morning. <laughs> I'm calling with a good news story. A good news story? in that uh, I saw my respirologist in uh, February, and she suggested that I have a CT scan. Right. And the CT scan was scheduled for uh, last week. So that's um, last week, uh, April? Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, since it wasn't an emergency issue, I thought it was pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was in and out of that hospital in 10 minutes. A CT scan takes longer than 10 minutes. Really? I had, I had a CT scan of my upper chest. Right. And I was in and out of there. I didn't get t- a chance to actually sit down in the uh, waiting chairs. You were very lucky because, uh, Patrick, I am going to read you. I asked for uh, the wait times for CT scans here in Ontario because... CT scans, getting that scan, which you need before you have your surgery, whatever it is, uh-huh. is is an issue. CT slots are an issue. So the target here in Ontario for a CT scan is 28 days, but the average wait time is 56 days. And I have to tell you, just by coincidence, I got off the phone 
uh, with my doctor's office. I, I have a CT scan now only once a year, uh, you know, to check uh, because I've had cancer. And mm-hmm. the, she told me that their scans, CT scans have been cut back 10% across the board because of cost. So. Oh. So uh, that's the story with CT scans here in Ontario. Uh, Bacchus, what would you have to say about that, the diagnostics? Yeah. Well, well, first, you know, again, I, I want to thank, thank Patrick for sharing that, that with us. And, and it is, you know, important to remember that, um, that when we often talk about wait times, that these are averages and medians. So oh, some, some people are lucky that they can get treatment sooner. But there are a lot of people who are actually waiting much longer than the numbers that we're talking about. Um, as it was in your case, um, Libby. Um, in Ontario, it, I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised to hear that um, that the wait time is, is meant to be that long this year, although it does make sense um, if there are those cuts. One of the important things we have to remember with things like CT scans and MRI scans is that they are incredibly important tools for, diagno- for diagnosing how severe an illness actually is. And the thing is, if you have to wait a long time in order to just get that diagnosis, that mm-hmm. means that if you actually do have a severe illness, um, then that's time that has been wasted in the meantime. Um, I actually think that, that things like diagnostic imaging should be done very, very quickly so that you can have a much more efficient of system of triage <clears throat> so that you can get people who are actually severely ill uh, much ahead in the queue. I I, I suspect, this yes, is I my again, my experience is that they kind of do that that if if you really need it, they make sure you get it. I mm-hmm. I think there's probably also um, a lot of waste. Uh, you know that, uh, you know, I've had lots and lots of CT scans for cancer, which is serious. Um, I saw a doctor about sinusitis, and the first thing, he wanted me to get a separate CT scan, and, and it really got my goat because mm-hmm. that's a, like, that to me was a waste of a CT scan that someone else really, really needed. Um, And um, the other thing that I have to say, this is a hint, people, uh, but if when they give you an appointment for your CT or your MRI, a lot of those machines run 24 hours a day. And if you say, you can call me at the last minute and I will come any time of the day or night, chances are that somebody will cancel and on very short notice, you might get your scan quicker. That's an interesting trick, Libby. Yeah, and you know, but one of the things that I do have to say is that we shouldn't have to have to rely on tricks like these. We should have a system yeah. where um, people who need to have a quick diagnostic imaging scan get it quick and and efficiently. Um, with CT scans, Canada does uh, you know it's it's a long wait, but it's still not that bad. We're particularly bad when it comes to MRIs. Um, the average wait time for an MRI that we measured in in 2015 was about 10 weeks. Uh, in places like British Columbia, it was as high as 24 weeks. You know what? Um, we have yeah. a caller on the line uh, who wants to talk about a wait for an MRI scan. Patrick, sure. thank you so much for sharing I your story. I mention that my experience was at Ajax Hospital, and I find them to be fabulous. Okay. Thank you, Libby, for taking my call. Okay, thank you for thank calling you. in. Bye. Bye-bye. Janet in Toronto. Hi, Janet. Yeah, hi. Good morning. Um, I had to wait for an MRI. It was booked in January, and I didn't get it until September. Wow. And I said I can go anytime night or day because I have wheel trends, and uh, so it wouldn't matter to me, but I didn't get it until September the 10th. My goodness. And may I ask what it was for? Well, I have a like a 10-centimeter cyst on my uh, ovary, 
Right. And so they were checking to see if it was ovarian cancer. Oh, my God. Yeah, can you imagine? Uh, oh, my God. That's, that's, that, that is terrible. And I still haven't got it resolved because then they had to refer me after they got the results. I didn't see the doctor again until January, the, the obstetrician and, or the gynecologist. Then he sent me to see a specialist who maybe would operate and take the cyst out. Well, and obviously it's not cancer or they... Well, let's hope it's not. Well, well, if if it had been, surely they would have scheduled the surgery sooner. No, well, well, they haven't even scheduled a surgery yet. Now she's sending me for tests again for the, you know, the blood test to see if it's can, you know, ovarian cancer, and then they send you for. Uh, uh, now she's sending me for another ultrasound. That sounds very wrong to me, yeah, Bacchus. So I've been waiting for months. Eh? I mean, if it yeah. was cancer, I'm in trouble, aren't I? Um, yeah. Again, you know, I, I want to. Thank you for sharing that with us because, you know, again, it, it highlights the entire issue of, you know, for every one success, you also have uh, another person with a story where the Canadian healthcare system is really, really failing them. Um, I think in order to wait so long just for a diagnosis, in order to know whether something is benign or malignant is, is really quite shameful um, because apart from the general um, danger of having uh, your your condition worsen while you're waiting for treatment, having a tumor perhaps grow, um, is just the simple mental stress of having to not know uh, whether your situation is serious or not. Um, well, that something sounds wonky to me because once they've done the MRI, well, you know, somebody has to read it, and and um, I, whatever questions they might have, they they should have a result from the MRI. Yes. Well, they said they don't think it's cancer. They ah. think it's just uh, nothing, but uh, I mean... Well, it's not nothing. Well, I think the last minute they say, oh, well, we made a mistake, it is cancer, we have to take out your, all your, you know, you have to have a, a complete hysterectomy or something. Well, I, you know, I wish they had, a, if you know, done that a long time ago. I, like, I, like I'm walking around like a three-month pregnant lady with this cyst on my ovary. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, that's how big it is, eh? Yes. So, I mean, that's not good that it's, uh, I have to wait so long. I mean, it could turn into cancer, but they, nobody seems to think it's not very serious. But Well, it could be benign. There are a lot of large benign cysts, but, but still. But I, still like, I still don't like walking around like a 3 no. lady. You know, I, I definitely can't speak to, to the medical um, condition in, in, in this particular sense because I'm not a doctor. Um, but I do have to say, you know, when you're just highlighting this problem itself, it's really bringing to light this fact that we're expected to wait in 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 a unfortunate and uncomfortable state uh, while we wait for treatment, whether it's urgent treatment or whether it's elective treatment or whether it's treatment that just helps ease the suffering and uncomfortableness that we have uh, with our lives. And it's important because the question then becomes, what alternative do patients like these have? in Canada is the only alternative that they have to cross the border in order to receive treatment, in which case that is not a viable alternative. It is um, it, it is absolutely not. Janet, again, I uh, wish you the best of luck, and thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah, and I, I, I'd like to get one more call before we break. Uh, we have Utah in Etobicoke. Hello, Utah. Hi. Good afternoon to both of you. I just want to say the waiting time is ridiculous. I had my husband before Easter uh, at my doctor's office. She sends me to the new Humber Hospital with him because we're thinking he has another blood clot in his leg. Oh, sorry to hear that. And they wanted to do an ultrasound on there. 
we were in a fast-track area, they called us, and we waited for seven hours. Mm-hmm. For seven hours to get an ultrasound. And after the ultrasound was done, I wasn't even allowed to get his pants on because they were so worried. Now, for seven hours, nobody did anything. Mm-hmm. And is and he that okay? Is, that is unacceptable. Well, he's okay now because now they have him back on the track and they're going to just got an, uh, an appointment for a uh, CCAN. So now it's going and moving again. But seven hours to wait in pain. He was in horrible pain. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. But in the same lake, only it was in the upper lake this time. Sorry and to he hear had that, you in that wheelchair and couldn't go nowhere. I mean, that is unacceptable. And brand new hospital. Seven oh. hours for an ultrasound. Okay. I'm sorry to hear that, Yuta. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you for Bye. sharing that. Um, you know, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear, hear stories like that, but I think it's important for, for me to stress that, you know, this is not a new situation. Uh, this is something that Canada has been dealing with for years now. We've seen a steady deterioration um, over the 20, 25 years that we've been doing the study. In 1993, the wait times were about... Um, I think about 10 weeks in Canada, and now they're about 18 weeks um, for average across 12 specialties. And the important thing to remember is that it doesn't have to be like this. Um, there are policy options out there um, that people have proposed to help deliver better universal health care. Um, they usually constitute involving the private sector either as a partner or an alternative, um, having some form of cost sharing so that people are encouraged to use the healthcare system more responsibly, and actually uh, funding hospitals according to activity, which actually encourages them to treat more patients rather than stay within budget um, and actually treat less patients. Um, of course, Canada will have to figure out the, the optimum combination for itself, but I think if we keep doing the same thing within the same system, we're just going to keep getting the same results, and that result is incredibly long wait times for patients. Okay. Bacchus Barua, thank you so much for that uh, very enlightening report and the chat. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Libby. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.